All right, good morning, everyone. Hello, hello. Um, all right, well, we just coming off of our um, Resurrection Sunday service last week. Um, I feel like um, it went really well. I had a meeting with some, uh, some other pastors from our district. and uh, Well, not our district, in fact. We split up into all over the United States, essentially. But, and it's just interesting to, to get the global perspective of the church uh, on Resurrection Sunday, asking how that all went and all that. And um, if I'm going to be honest with you, when they asked me, you know, what did I take away from it? I loved our Good Friday service, how we focused on the fact that Jesus was not a victim. He orchestrated every single thing, even the timing of it all. And he created the people who crucified him. I didn't say that, but I just did now. And if you think he didn't know they were going to when he fashioned them together, of course he did. Anyway, um, but here's what, what, what I got out of Easter this, this year. I really focused, in my opinion, one thing that really rang true is this. We worship a person. And I know I, I can say that as many times as I say it, and it never really hits as hard as I think it should. Like, we don't worship church or a belief system. There's actually a person that we worship. And now, in so many ways, that should simplify things like crazy. What have I been saying? Just say what he said and don't add anything to it. You know what I'm trying to say? Just, just whatever he said, do that. And if it's, if it's, if it's, uh, I don't want to go off too much this, but today's message is going to be another one of those messages that I would not give you if it were my choice today. The tone in the room is not the tone that's going to want to receive this message at all. But the last time I felt that way, God, God used the message. So I'm just going to be his obedient servant. I know for a fact he was speaking this to me all week. So I'm just going to go for it. Love you all. And, of course, I am a part of this message as well. Now, one thing I worry about for myself in modern-day America, I'm not one to bash the church because I'm not going to punch Jesus' bride. Now, am I? That's the bride of Jesus, says him himself. Um, but, man, I see some stuff in the American church. Um, particularly the bigger churches, although they're so easy to pick on, okay? They're easy to pick on. But for me, who works here, and this is what I'm giving my life and my, my family's life to, uh, literally like my career, I look at it, and the state of the church has me in this way here, like cautious. Because what I do not want to ever become is someone who cares or a church that cares more about what you people think than what God thinks. And I never want to work to try and get seats filled or clicks online. I don't even want to work to do those things. Because if I'm working 3% to get people here, then that's 3% I took away from hearing from God and being obedient to God. Does that make sense? Now, that sounds pious and sounds whatever. But I'm seeing something in the world that, okay, this is actually a loving message because I see something that we're selling as authentic that is actually not authentic and will not get you where you want to be. Yeah, there you go. I can see now where it's a loving message. I can see why God wants to give us this. I see that we are forming to a degree, sometimes, Bruce talked about it a little bit, we're going from a God-focused faith, which is very much about the risen Savior, Jesus Christ, the things he said, the things he liked and enjoyed, and the things he didn't, to more of a, a sort of me-centered faith, a culture-centered faith. And again, I'm not... This is not just condemnation. This is not throwing stone. Is that a train going by? That's really distracting. Sorry, guys, online. We're, we're about what? 
an eighth of a mile from there, and it's just rumbling this whole place. Do you know that Hitler used to circle tanks around his meetings because it would give give everybody anxiety and work them up? That's how I'm feeling right now. Um, it's like when they logged my uh, logged around my um, house, waking up at five thirty in the morning. Right, the I was adrenalized for about two months. I think it's going away. Sorry, folks. I'm just I'm being real. I, it's hard, and I'm getting angry, and I'm going to start yelling and stuff. Okay, all right, all right, all right. I don't want to be the people that go that go from a God focused faith to a me focused faith, and unfortunately, our culture pushes us in that way. Now, what I mean is this: straight up, we are created created beings we've all broken god's perfect standard in nature we know that we're unable to do anything about it and so god sent his son to come live among us he lived out the perfect standard in nature in every single way and when the time came men falsely judged him guilty in the name of power and religion and they murdered him three days later he appeared again that's a problem for them right and he explained that his death can count for us and bring us back to the father his righteousness for ours there's the gospel of jesus christ in exchange divine impartation if you will we must believe in him and follow him, right? Then he ascended to heaven and will return again. And if you've heard that and say, like, me too, that, that I agree with that, then I, nobody who hears that wants a me-centered faith, right? Because I just told a story about a man, and I told a story about God that began before the Garden of Eden. And so what I don't want is... It, Bruce is talking about this this cancer struggle, this thing, this looming thing around him, and and he's right because it's one, what it's going to do is try to get him to look at him, and his circumstances, and that's the way it goes, man. That's why there's temptations in the wilderness. It's look at you, look at your problem, and Jesus goes, I look at him, I lift my eyes into the hills. Where does my help come from? My help comes from the Lord. Everything can happen around me. Psalm ninety one says this: Though a thousand die at your left and ten thousand die at your right, you will only watch and see the wicked perish. You will fear no famine that comes before you in day or pestilence that comes at night because you've hidden beneath the shadow of my wings. I am your refuge. So the reality of it all is, as created beings, we just focus here. But unfortunately, culture and problems and the enemy himself is just trying to get you to look at the divorce or, or the hardship or that ache and pain or the need. And if you stare at it, it brings you where it is. It brings you down. Do you get what I'm trying to say? And you're right. Little kids get it. Little kids get it. I have been shamed by my son before when I'm trying to fix a problem, and he goes, oh. He doesn't say, oh. <laughs> I say, oh. He goes, Daddy, let's pray for it. I'm like, oh, yeah, there's, there's that. I got stuck here, and he's going, bring it there. Do you get what I'm trying to say? And it's a, it's a message as old as the moment Jesus Christ rose from the dead. Because when the tomb is empty, they said, why are you looking down here? He's risen. That's it. That was the moment, Right? And so I don't want a me-focused faith. And so this is not going to be a condemning message. Go ahead, bub. Go right to the bathroom. You're good. You're good. <sighs> good boy. Turn the light on. <laughs> okay. <laughs> so listen, a me-centered faith would hear the gospel of Jesus Christ and say like this, and this happens every day. I'm not condemning anybody. A me-centered faith would hear the gospel of Jesus Christ and then it would say, okay, cool, what's in it for me? And that's not what we do, right? We do not do that. The me-centered faith, I, I talked about it in worship today. The me-centered faith only worships God when it feels like it, when things are going well, which is interesting because I didn't really have that thought, and I said it during worship today. And what did we sing? We sang, I will praise you in this storm, and I will lift my hands. 
for you are who you are, no matter where I am, right? That's the standard, man. That's the, that's the God-shaped, God-focused faith. And God promises that that is a bulletproof faith. It doesn't ebb and flow. It doesn't wax and wane. It just stays focused, right? Another Number two, the me-centered faith is worried primarily sometimes about ple- ple- pleasing myself, not pleasing God. Now, again, this is not condemning. These are symptomatic. A me-centered faith forgets that either Jesus is Lord of all things or nothing. Do you get it? Well, you got to get it real deep down. Either Jesus is Lord of absolutely everything or nothing at all. And that's hard, man, because he's the Lord of my job. Is he, Lord of, is he the Lord of prostate cancer? Is he the Lord of my, my children's salvation? Is he, Lord of, is he the Lord of my hurting marriage? And the answer is either he's Lord of all things, all things, subatomic, quanta, the sun, or nothing at all. And that's awesome because that will get you to look up, won't it? That will absolutely get you to look up. He is the Alpha, the Omega, the first and the last. All things are made through him. He's the light of the world, the living water, the true vine, good shepherd, and the coming king. But the me-centered faith would feel that and snap back. A me-centered faith would go, oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Because a me-centered faith has crowned me as most important and crowned me as king. That happens, dude. That happens. But I don't care if there's three. Go ahead, Bob. Go ahead. I don't care if there's three people in this. I can do that, guys. I multitask all day long. That's what I do. Uh, that meeting we were talking about, I'm sitting there and they're going, how was your holy week? I was like, it was good. It was good. I was like, pick up a paper towel. And they all start laughing. I said, did you spill the whole bottle of water? I told you not to put it on the end table. Sorry, guys. Hold on. <laughs> they're all laughing. I'm like, this is just life. This is not funny. Right, Amy? I didn't miss a beat. And I said, anyway, so Jesus on the cross. like, <laughs> just, This is the way it is, right? Another symptom of me-centered faith is this. A me-centered faith is the one faith that will actually spend any amount of time looking at other people's papers. That is a me-centered faith. Because if you've got the time to look at how your brother's doing, then you think you're good and you're coasting. And that's a me-centered faith. Now, I wish I could show you my piece of paper. I wrote, a me-centered faith spends a lot of time looking at other people's papers. And then the Holy Spirit was like, no. Cross, cross. Spends any time looking at other people's papers. I don't care what you do. I don't care the words you use in your, in your life. If you want my help, you can ask me. But you're going to have to ask me. I'm not going to say to you, hey, I've noticed you've got this thing going on. Or God just, I just feel led to tell you. Let me tell you something. God is going to have to turn my head to look at your shortcomings because I'm too busy working on mine. Do you understand? Lots. Of, I swear to you, dude, some of y'all are crazy. You sit across from a dinner table from me and you tell me the dumbest things I've ever heard in my life that you're about to do. And you know what? I don't say a word because y'all ain't asked me my opinion. You get it? Well, AJ, I'm just thinking this, this, this. <laughs> but listen, I'm too busy looking at my own future, future decisions. So if I'm looking at my own paper, you're going to have to ask me my advice. You get it? You know what I'm saying? But don't you think that's a better way to live? The disciples were too busy. Who's going to be first? Blah, 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 blah. It's like, he's right there, man. How about you just look at him? And you're about to say something stupid, by the way, so stop looking at the people around you. Wouldn't, wouldn't life be so much better in the kingdom if this were the way we lived? When we get up, okay, if the new, listen, heaven's coming to earth. Read the, read the back of the book. If the city's coming to earth, whatever, who cares? I don't know where it's going to be. I don't care as long as we're with God. Do you think Holy Father is going to be a huge fan of us in heaven? Biting each other, 
Oh, God, look what he's doing. I mean, do you really think he's <laughs> in the presence of Almighty God? And isn't our job to bring heaven here on earth as it is in heaven? Where all we do is love one another, support one another, and make a place where we can feel safe enough to say, hey, I'm making this decision. Here's this, the, your, 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 your opportunity to speak into my life. And what did I say before? I'm, I want to become, become the most unpopular preacher around. I really do. Because I want to say things like this. God will trust, if God wants to correct you of something, most likely in my life, it has always been trusted to someone who loves me. I've got a message for AJ. Who do I give it to? That legalistic, ooh, I almost swore bad. That legalistic mean one who wants to hurt AJ because he doesn't look like him? Or, no, I'm going to give it to the person that he trusts that love him. Right? Okay, let me do this better. If you had a message for your children and you had to send it via courier, would you want to send it to some stranger who doesn't care and doesn't care about the message? Or would you send it to someone who loves your kid, make sure they get the message and make sure they get it and understand it? Which one would you do? So if someone brings you some doo-doo with a stanky face, it probably isn't from God. You like that? You see that in the Bible anywhere? I know, man, but let's cut the crap, right? Or my buddy used to say, slice the poo. <laughs> Can't get mad at me for that. Number three. <laughs> uh, number, three. number three. No, you know what? I want to say one last thing. People say to you, we've said it in church, love the sinner, hate the sin. Throw that away. Throw that away. And I know most of you came out of churches that will say that. Throw that away and say this. Love sinners and hate your sin. Who are you to hate anybody else's sin? Right, because next thing you know, you get to label things as, oh, that's a slippery rock face, y'all. Love the sinner, hate your own sin. And you really think God's going to condemn anybody who lives that way? <laughs> right. Number four. Can I tell you another symptom of a me-centered faith that I see all over the place? And I'm not saying I see it in people. I see it in systems where we're creating this in folks. And people hate to hear this. A me-centered faith says this, God, I know you designed us for community, for openness, and a life lived with others, but it makes me uncomfortable and yucky, so no. This is the same thing I said Good Friday. If y'all missed it, you get to be offended by this too. I just don't like to like think about the crucifixion, okay? I don't like to watch the passion. I don't like to... That, like that picture, that cross thing, I don't like to, it makes me feel yucky. Oh, it makes you uncomfortable? Really? Get it? I don't like the crucifixion. It makes me uncomfortable. Do you realize how stupid that sounds? Jesus like takes a minute like, oh, I'm sorry. This is making you uncomfortable? Do you get it? I, I understand, guys. I'm animated and, and coming out. Nobody's coming at you. But if you've got a part of this, I'm absolutely opposing that mindset. Absolutely. Because this is the same mindset that when you're crying out for something and you're, you're going to authentic God for something, this can get in the way. Do you understand that? And like Bruce says, we want everybody in this place healed. We want babies for everybody that's been infertile. And we're seeing that happen. But let me tell you something. If you're going to a fake Jesus that you invented or that that previous church invented, fake Jesus has nothing for you. Do you understand that? It's like going to this thing for water. Why won't you give me water? They told me you'd give me water. Look, bro, I only hold music. I'm not, you get what I'm saying? And so a me-centered faith is not a Christ-following faith. And everybody had, time out, stop, stop, stop. That was dangerous. We all have elements of this. Me too. 
I, probably this week I'm staring at someone else's Facebook going, oh, <laughs> right? Staring at their paper or things like this, uncomfortable, blah, blah, blah. You know, we all have this. So this is not me saying your faith isn't real. It's me saying this. Hold it up. We're all going to hold it up before God and let him continuously work this out. But this week, if you bump into a piece of it, go, wait, that's a very me-centered thought. And me, who am I following here? I don't want to follow me. I want to follow him, right? So this is not condemning. This is not. I just want to bulletproof our faiths in our church and say this. We're not glitz and glamour and doing things to get people here. Because the reality of it all is Jesus didn't chase anyone, did he? He didn't. That's a Jesus we created. Oh, guard the back door. Oh, I'm sorry. We lost another family from the church because they don't like the seating or the lighting. Jesus, no, dude. He presented the gospel, and you have your free will. There's your ingredients, dude, and I will be here. If there was a million steps between Jesus Christ and you, he's taken every single one but one. And he stands there lovingly, but he does not beg, does he? And I won't do that as a, as a church either, guys. Anyone that walks in the door, we love them. But are we out there begging for people to come in here? No. That's stupid and it's not real. Because if you're begging someone to come and they do it for you, they're not doing it for the right reasons. Get it? And that'll be a me-centered faith. And a me-centered faith grows and drops more me-centered seeds. And then you end up with impotent, powerless Christians who are not following Jesus Christ. You get what I'm saying? If you're reading condemnation from me, I will calm down. But that's not what I'm trying to do. You get it? That's what creates a faith that has no power whatsoever. It's got a form of godliness, but no power. Do this. Let's, let's do this one, but skip it. Skip this one. Next one. We'll go back to it. Let's do the next one. Jesus actually says this. He says, these people honor me with their lips, but their hearts are from, far from me. They worship me in vain. Their teachings are but rules. So he's saying, you, you, you honor me with your lips, but your hearts are from me. What you're, what you're worshiping is a bunch of, of, of system, rules. And we've all been in that legalistic church. We all have. Where if you happen to break that, whether it be divorce or booze or you didn't dress right and your jeans aren't skinny enough or something gross, right? Come on, thank you, thank you. <laughs> then it turns into this. I'll be accepted if I'm this. I'll be accepted if I'm that. No, stop. Follow Jesus Christ. You can look like Peter. You can look like Paul. I've had that argument with other people before too. I figure I might as well offend everybody in the room today. So I was talking to this one, one people who thought their, own, their kids weren't saved because they were still screwing up. And I said, I, I don't think that they're not saved, dude. I think they just like to get drunk now and again. Oh, get offended by me. And they're like, well, when we got saved, I didn't ever want to do that again. I said, okay, cool. You're, you're, you're Paul and you're not Peter. Was Peter saved when he denied Jesus Christ? <laughs> Were their disciples saved when they, when they catted with each other and, and, and fought with each other and acted like the world? Was Peter saved after Pentecost when he stopped doing what God told him to do and went back to the Jews? And Paul yells at him. Some of you would believe, no, he wasn't. Some of you in this room and online believe that certain people aren't saved because they didn't say a specific prayer. Who taught you that? Who taught you that? The thief on the cross wasn't saved then? Jesus lied? Take that back to your old church. He's fired up today. I hate anything that opposes authentic faith. And you know where I got that from? I learned that from my dad. No? No, he didn't fashion nunchucks out of a cord and flip tables twice in the, in the synagogue? He did. Well, Jesus is angry. Well, that's something to be angry about, man, because your rules, your system taught by men 
got in the way of real faith. And it said divorced people aren't accepted. It said people who struggle with addiction aren't accepted and aren't as good. Right? It said you got to raise your hands. It says you got to this, you got to that. It did that. You understand what I'm saying? You got to stop being you to worship me. Jesus is like, I've created you just the way you are. Be you. Be authentically you and worship me. Oh, man, I tell you. I just see it. I see it. I see it in the church today. And I feel it like a strong wind blowing that our, listen, the rest of the world is going toward deism, self-worshipping deism, universalism, where humans are God. And the way you feel is king in God. And it's nothing new. It's exactly what they were battling in Rome at the time of Jesus Christ. Do you understand? But your universities and your schools are teaching that to your kids now. They are. Your preferences. Your, your, what you like and don't like. Be careful, man, because that's a me-centered existence. And it can't live with Jesus Christ. It can't. Because we sing crown him, crown him, king of glory, and yet your kids are being taught to crown themselves. Man, that's terrible. Kids are awesome, but they make really crappy gods. You understand that? Anything that's not God makes a crappy, crappy tin god. And so, again, I'm not, I'm opposing the system, not anybody in this room or online. Do you understand what I'm saying? I'm seeing this stuff, dude. But let me, let me... I'm running out of time. I'm on page one. <laughs> out of four. Um, you know why I come to church on Sunday? I think you can gather this about me. I would way rather be cutting those maples that fell in the wind. I got four maples that fell. I would way rather be doing that than coming here. I, I, I'm just not a churchy guy. Love you guys, and I certainly love doing this. But you know why I come to church? Go back to the slide I pushed past, please. I'll tell you why I come to church. Because he told me to. That's why. Remember Forrest Gump? Forrest, why did you take apart and put that gun together so fast? Because you told me to, Drill Sergeant. You remember that? Forrest was a genius, bro. Why, why did we go to church? We used to drive to Messina. Oh, I hated that commute. I, I don't like driving anywhere. Messina's like five hours away. You guys know that. It's a big joke in my family because I won't do it. I won't do it. I won't do it. The mall? <laughs> That's like a two-day haul. <laughs> I know. It's because we did all those road trips younger, and I'm done with it. I'm done. I'm done. But this is why we come to church. Don't, don't, don't. Well, AJ, getting together with other Christians stinks, and it's hard. I know that, but you're not doing it for you. Get it? Some people struggle with church because you think you're going to come here and get something. No. If that happens, good for you. You're here to give something. And this body of believers, particularly, we need each other. So, right, and so here, let me give you a piece that God gave me this week. Some people think that they're only serving when they're doing something. Do you know that there's certain people in this church? All right, I'll pick on them. There are certain people in this church, when they're gone, we feel their absence. And I don't mean it in a condemning way, but I mean it in this way. Their service to this church is simply their presence. Have you ever, you ever know that? Some people think, well, I've got to this, I've got to that, I've got to this. Do you know some people are just called to be in a church because they brighten the place up? Do you know that? Their smile, their laugh, whatever it may be. It's true. And so why, are you, why, why would you be here? Number one, he told you to. And we trust that it's what's best for us. And number two, you're here to serve. I'm a little worried because, Kirk, you've seen the pond. Bill, you've seen the pond that I've got behind the house. If I buy that land, he's had it. He's had a pipe, like an up, upward pipe, where if the water level gets too high, it goes into this gully, this ravine, where I shot the six-point. I shot the six-point. I just want to throw that out there. <laughs> three for three. Um, but um, I, I, I dismantled this pipe. Now the water's going up, but then Melanie made a really good observation. She goes, but will that make the water unhealthy? And I'm like, hmm, 
Now, it's an underground spring, so I'm hoping not, but it might. Because anytime a body of wa- water only like provides for itself, it rots. Rots. Anytime a believer only does something for themselves, you will rot spiritually. That's the way God made us. Does he understand that? I'll give you one little thing for it. I'm the vine, you're the branches. Grow out, serve, keep going. You see what I'm saying? If that body of water doesn't give out and start looking outward, it might become stagnant. And those tadpoles won't be there next year and the frogs. And the deer won't come because they're not going to drink pond scum, are they? I got to be careful. Why do I go to church? Number one, because you told me to. And number two, it's the place where I can serve. Even if that means just putting my butt in the seat and being attentive. I don't know. All right, let me, let me finish this up here. But listen, one of the reasons I'm bringing this up is because our culture, like I said, is pushing us toward it. Nowadays, businesses are scared to upset you. Notice that? Take our survey. Take our survey. Taco Bell. Make what easy, you know? <laughs> Come on, man. You don't, want me, you don't want me commenting on how things went today. <laughs> don't give me that. You go to the grocery store, your old place. Every transaction, how'd I do? How'd I do? And you'll be like, mm, you could be better for serving me. Does anybody remember when you used to go to certain places because of their quality? You go to that diner because of their burgers? Or you'd have that guy make your furniture because he was excellent? Wasn't society better that way? As opposed to people being scared of your Yelp review? Or some crap like that? Ooh, almost got that one. Right? It's not going in a good way. And I'm not throwing stones at culture. I'm throwing stones at anyone who wants to be one foot in that culture and one foot here. We're we're, we're to serve the ones around us. Now listen, I got one more thing I want to say. No promises. I made a phone call uh, last week. I spoke to a family member. And the reason I spoke to this family member is because I'm struggling with something in my life that he might be struggling with too. And it's wise to reach out, okay? We grew up in the same household. I kind of wondered, like, "Mm." so I called this person, was talking to him. Hey, do you feel this way? Are you prone to this, this, or whatever? Insert it. You don't need to know my business. But as I was talking to him, now hear me out on this. This is the whole point of my sermon. As I was talking to him, I kind of side-eyed God, and I was like, I thought I was calling him to get answers and healing for me, but we're doing an awful lot of talking about him and his (laughs) circumstances. Did you do this for him, I said to God? I'm like, ah, you always do that. And I'm like, come on, and I I started to get mad at him, and I could just, that still small voice inside of me said, yeah, because you provide for everybody else, and I directly provide for you. And I went, oh, I like, I like that one a lot better. But it came, with a, it came with a thing. Yes, AJ, you're always serving other people because I'm always serving you directly. And if you're doing that, that's how that works. Good, right? <laughs> yes. All right, come on, let me keep going here. Uh, a good, uh, listen, one of the things that um, is a good, a good indicator for a, a God-centered faith is this. Now, this is where I let you off the mat because you weren't even supposed to be there to begin with. Here's the thing about a God-centered faith. If you're growing in love, you'll know that you have a God-centered faith. Not that you're where you want to be. Not that you're where you want to be. But if you're getting there. Do you understand what I'm saying? Are you better than before? Now, personally, in my life, one of the things I have to battle is this. I look for perfection. But that's not God. God's not asking for perfection. He's going, is there growth? That's it. Do you know what I'm saying? Are you less angry this week than you were the week before? Did you snap three times instead of four? And when you were angry, were you angry a little less long? And, and here's the thing. That's following Jesus. Your church will tell you, 
anger, no, bad, bad, bad. But the reality is God is a God of process and he understands that. So don't look, to, have we arrived? Is our marriage where we want it to be? Honey, you got 40 more years. Are you getting there? Amen. Come on, give it to me. Give it to me, come on. Thank you. It's growth, not good. I've said before, you hit where you aim. Where are you aiming? Do you want to hear six other metaphors that say the same thing? Looking for growth. And that's how you know you have a God-centered faith. If it's a me-centered faith, you're spinning your wheel. <laughs> what, is, what, is there, what is Izzy's joke? What do you call a one-legged hippo? A hoppo? <laughs> She's four, so laugh at that. But don't you get this picture of a creature that would just spin? <laughs> right? What do you call a one-legged lady? Eileen? Oh, I didn't say it was good. Did I ever say that? <laughs> Sorry, Eileen. And any Eileen's listening. But, but that'd be spinning your wheels in circles, and that's a me-centered faith. Do you get what I'm trying to say? All right, let me close this thing out. Okay. No, okay. Boom, boom, boom. boom. Mm, yep, moving there. Yep, okay, moving from there. <laughs> wow. <laughs> okay. Uh, a me-centered faith is okay being uncomfortable. That's one thing I want to say about that. Um, a me-centered faith... I look at it this way. I remember, I don't know if it was early in our marriage or we were dating, but I told you all the story one time of the dance recital she dragged me off to. And originally it was going to be in the park. Remember the concerts in the green? You can deal with anything if you're out there in the sun and you're out in the... Well, no, it started to rain. And we were already in Norwood. And so we saw a sign or something that's like, it'll now be in the Norwood Norfolk Gymnasium. And I was like, oh, I don't like where this is headed at all. And sure enough, we go in and that's... I used to play basketball in that that uh, gym, monstrous gym. Uh, anyway, so we get up there, and there's like, what, less than 10, maybe 15 people in the stands, which some of you know what that means. You can't leave because they'll see you. You get it? If you're in a big crowd, you can always do one of these, right? But if you're in a small crowd, they'll look right at you. So these ladies, God bless them, they start dancing, and they're going for it. Oh, two hours later. I'm remember I was laying on the bleachers because they're torture on your back. I was laying like this with my knees up, and the woman goes, "Okay, we've got one more piece for you." And I was like, oh, "Amen, amen," like I was in church. Hallelujah! She goes, "We have one more piece for you." I kid you not, and I'm not exaggerating. It was a 33 minute free form jazz piece. You ever heard of jazz chaos? <laughs> 33 minutes of that, and they're running around and sweating, and God bless them, they're really going for it. And I looked at her, and I was like, ooh, I like you less than I used to for dragging me to this. But the point of it all is, don't we, aren't we uncomfortable for the things we love, right? Truth is, I didn't like her any less for it. I was a little mad at her for a while. I think we got Burger King on the way home, and I was good. <laughs> I'm no longer hangry. We're uncomfortable for the things we love. And here's the thing about, the, about, about our faith. A, a God-centered faith is, understand, is okay when we don't have it all figured out. We're okay when, we, when the sky appears to be falling, but keeping our eyes on God. We're okay not knowing steps A through Z. And let me tell you something. When people first come into the kingdom, that's the first bone I feel like God has to sometimes break. You're not going to know how this turns out, but you're going to know who holds the results. Your job as a Christian is not, not results, it's process. Do you understand that? You do the one thing that's in front of you and you trust God with the results. 
Certain things are always in front of you. If you have unforgiveness, change direction. Forgive and trust me with the results, right? If there's something, go get help, whatever it may be. You don't have to trust in the meds, but if that's the next step, trust me with the results to get you where you need me to be, We're, right? That's what I'm trying to say. But that's uncomfortable because we want to have a me-centered faith that, that knows all the things and controls it. So I'm going to land the plane, guys. I think that was a lot. Um, and I might be a little tired from my antics. <laughs> um, just understand this. God is near. God is near. And real, real God-centered faith simply acknowledges that, that God is near. Okay? So what have we learned? It's easy to have a me-centered faith. It really is. And as, what is it Bruce says? I think he stole it from someone else. But Bruce says, it doesn't matter what side you fall off the bridge, you're going to get wet. Whether the me-centered faith thinks they can do whatever they want and God's not the truth and whatever, that's one side. And the other me-centered faith is that church that simply stares at all the rules and laws and rules and laws and rules and laws and falls off. You're both sitting there in the ravine wet. Do you understand? That's the me-centered faith. But um, it's the norm. It's the current. And if we're not careful, we'll remain there. A God-centered faith leads to an other-centered faith where other people's comforts get to be placed above our own. So all we're doing this week is examining ourselves and being honest. In view of what God's done and who he is, are we focused on him, worshiping and serving him above ourselves? And again, in all, in all areas, man, this is nearly impossible to do, but are we moving forward?